0: Welcome into Locked on Knicks and today is free agency day and Gavin I think we just spent like an hour and a half writing down free agency rumors so it's safe to say we have a lot to get into. What are some of the big rumors we're going to get into before today's 6 p.m. free agency?
1: Well we're going to start off with keying you in on where the Knicks are at heading into free agency including what they decided to do with Frank Nilakina, Mitchell Robinson the rumors about which players are likely to return, which players are unlikely to return. And then we get into other teams, free agents, why the Knicks are likely to lose out on a couple of point guards that they seemingly really wanted throughout the regular season and who they could replace those guys with. All that and more right now on Locked On Knicks.
0: You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starks, without a five. Ewing from the the Yes. Hupp, Hupp left, now fires a three. He's good, and he's fouled. and he's out. Anthony for three. that one goes down. He's all about, back up, off the glass, it's good. RJ Barrett. Becomes infectious. All right, welcome in to Locked on Knicks. I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at the thestrick.land. Definitely check it out today for some, some good free agency stuff coming up. And he is Gavin Shaw, play-by-play, man-by-day, Knicks podcaster by night. And this is our free agency primer. And Gavin, uh, I, I'll, I guess I'll lead us in with the, like, I'm really not going to dilly-dally because we have, like, way too much stuff to get into here. Uh, but I'll, I'll lead us off with just the things that the Knicks have done here and a quick reaction to them. Uh, so the, the two big things that the Knicks had to settle was Frank Nilakina becoming a restricted free agent, potentially, and Mitchell Robinson's final year contract option. Uh, of course, they also waived uh, Norvell Pell, which, you know, RIP to the Norvell Pell era. We'll never forget the dislocated finger game. Uh, but with Frank, they did not extend him a qualifying offer. So that means that Frank is going to hit the open market as an unrestricted free agent. A lot of people saw this as sort of a, a death knell to Frank being on the Knicks. Uh, I am, maybe I'm being delusional. I mean, I definitely think there's a good chance that he's gone, but I don't necessarily think that this is, this means 100% that he's gone. Uh, his qualifying offer, I think because of his draft slot was something like it was in the 10 million range, uh, which obviously is way more than what he's going to get on the free agent market. So I don't think people understand, like people were saying, Oh, just give him the the qualifying offer. And then if something better comes along in free agency, you rescind it. The thing is the qualifying offer is probably going to be more than he'll get on like a three year offer, (laughs) you know? So I, I think that the Knicks, didn't offer it because there's a decent chance that the second free agency would open, he would just sign it. Uh, so you don't want to offer that. In addition to the fact that, you know, it, you offer that qualifying offer and his cap hold also would have been like 19 million or something. It was something obscene like that. Um, not that you can't just erase that cap hold by rescinding the offer, but um, it didn't make any sense for them to offer him a qualifying offer. So to anyone that thought that this was like instantly like, oh, Frank is gone. It doesn't necessarily mean that. Um, We'll get into some more Berman reporting in a minute, but Berman had Mark Berman of the New York Post had reported, uh, I think at some point last week even, that if Reggie Bullock gets a big offer from somewhere else, that's more than what the Knicks feel like paying him, which I I think the Knicks, you know, he had said something like the Knicks don't want to really exceed like 10 million for him or something like that. So if Reggie Bullock gets a big offer somewhere else, uh, he had mentioned that Frank might be a candidate for the Knicks to just kind of bring back on a cheaper contract to fill some of that production that that Bullock would have given. Plus, of course, they have their new rookies, you know, with Grimes and McBride and everything else to fill some of those minutes. So um, I, I wouldn't necessarily rule out Frank yet. And I, I'll throw that to you in a sec. Um, but then Mitch, they picked up his final year option of his contract, which, as we said, for a long time is something like one and a half million, roughly. Um And that means that Mitch can become an unrestricted free agent next year, but he can also be extended this offseason now. uh, And he could be extended for a contract of upwards of $12 million a year, roughly. uh, Which I don't know that I could see him getting too much more than that on the open market. If he would have hit the market today, Uh, maybe he'll bet on himself and want to go into next offseason as an unrestricted free agent. Or perhaps he and his representation, whoever they may be at this moment, because I know he's had like 18 different agents. I actually forget who his agent is at this point. Uh, we'll decide to just take the the extension this offseason and keep him a Nick for a while. So we'll see how that all goes. But Gavin, what are your thoughts on on those two guys first before we start getting into the Knicks and their league leading uh, roughly 53 million in cap space?
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm with you on Frank. Um, it, it would have been ridiculous to extend the qualifying offer to him no matter how much I love him. I, I'm also with you in that. I don't think it's an absolute death knell, but I, I have long said on Frank, so I won't belabor the point. That I, I think, just for his own good, it's like you know the old saying: if you if you love someone, you you, you let him go. I, I think I think the Knicks need to let Frank go and, and blossom somewhere else because we, we've seen the same share repeat itself for the last couple of seasons, and especially. With someone like Miles McBride in there, who I think Quentin Grimes is built to come in and play the Reggie Bullock role, I think McBride, if everything works out, would would ideally be the better version of the Frank role. And granted, look, he's five or sorry, four inches shorter. The wingspan is four inches shorter, so he's he's micro Frank. He, he's not as flexible defensively, but obviously a lot more there offensively that Frank doesn't give to you. So I have a feeling. The drafting of McBride, if they had maybe stayed in the first round and gotten Grimes in a wing like Keon Johnson, I think you could have given Frank a slightly better chance of coming back. But I think McBride sort of fills that niche in the Knicks ecosystem. So I would I would be pretty surprised if Frank came back again. If the interest, if I'm if I'm just completely wrong and, and every other team around the NBA is like that guy couldn't even play in the Knicks the last few years, why would we want him? Then I think he'll be gone. But again, I think a smart team. I, I've long said the Warriors. I'm I'm sticking with it. Uh, we'll see his value on a playoff roster that's already fill uh, excuse me full with a lot of shooting and playmaking, um, and they will eventually sign him. Uh, with Mitch, I think it's I think it's a fascinating situation. I, I again I understand the cap implications of doing his contract next year versus this year. It's something I got into the other week with John Schmilk on the podcast. I I still think there there was a case trying to just extend him, which, which to be clear, the Knicks, the Knicks can still do, um, only based on the fact that I think if he's healthy next year, he is going to get a lot more expensive. But obviously, again, if you're going to sign a superstar next offseason, then you can go over the cap to bring Mitch back. But if you sign him now, you're limiting your flexibility next year. So I sort of see the arguments for both sides, and I'm just kind of in a wait and see mode there. My whole thing, though, is if you're building a super team, like if the Knicks are lucky enough that... Damian Lillard is all of a sudden feasible next offseason, and there's another star that says, hey, I'd love to join him and Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly and Rookie of the Year Miles McBride in New York. Um, you're going to want Mitchell Robinson on that roster. He's he's exactly the fill-in-the-blanks defensive guy um, that you need. Obviously, there there has to be room for him, but I don't know. I, I just – I'm already it's, – it's a year out that we have to deal with it, but I'm already a little, I have a little bit of a queasy feeling in my stomach that things could potentially go wrong with Mitch, but I hope I'm wrong and I'm I'm hoping they'd be willing to go overboard to Pam. And again, it's not impossible that they could still renegotiate with him and get something done this off season.
0: Yeah. And I don't even think that, you know, even if they maxed out his, you know, ceiling for an extension, I don't even think that's going overboard. Like I think that Mitch has proven at this point that he's around a $10 million player in the NBA, like at minimum. You know, I I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Like he's a when healthy, he he provides something similar to what you get out of like Clint Capella, who is a 18 million a year player. So even if you're saying he's like a lesser version, which, again, you know, I think potential wise is arguable. um, But, you know, as far as what we've actually seen on the court, you know, I guess you could say like, yes, a lesser version of Capella because he's still not quite there with the the strength and and everything yet and the, you know, physical growth. But like, yeah, if if they can get him for like 10 million a season for like three, four years, I I think they should definitely do it. Because I think that as long as you can keep him healthy, you know, which we'll see how everything goes with that foot injury. But otherwise, I mean, I think Mitch has done a pretty decent job of staying healthy. I mean, he's had his his nicks and bruises here and there, but like the hand injury this year is a freak injury. That's not something that I'm going to hold against him going forward, you know. Um, I, I think that I'd feel totally cool with uh, giving him that amount of money, and you know, ten million is like less than ten percent of the cap. So you are giving him, you know, in theory, like less than less than one tenth of your your overall you know roster number for a guy who's going to start and play good minutes for you and offer like game altering defense at the five spot. I think that's totally cool by me. Um, so hopefully, something does does come to be as far as Mitch is concerned. But now I think we should should probably start working our way towards the the outside options, because there are plenty of them. Uh, But first, I'm just going to let everybody know that today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, and it is the best tasting protein bar, period. Did you know also that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors, there is really something for everyone. You know, if you don't know all the flavors, I'll just list them off real quick so you can become familiar. Coconut, Cherry barcia, Raspberry, Mint Brownie, Double Chocolate, Salted Caramel, Strawberry, Orange, Cookies and Cream, and German Chocolate. If you guys listen consistently, you already know what my flavor, favorite flavor is. It's coconut and probably tied with Cookies and Cream. Both so fantastic. Coconut one makes you think of like a Mounds Bar or an Almond Joy. Uh, Really tastes just like a candy bar coated with 100% chocolate cookies and cream. It's exactly what it sounds like. It it tastes kind of like an Oreo cookie, you know, but wrapped up in a in a candy bar, more or less. But these are not candy bars. They're they're protein bars. Make no mistake. And they're not going to pump you full of sugar and carbs and a whole bunch of other fillers and crap that you don't need. They're just going to give you that protein that you need without a whole bunch of extras that, you know, is going to affect your waistband. Because built Bars have 17 to 18 grams of protein each in something that, as I can't stress enough, is only about the size of a Snickers bar. You get 17 to 18 grams of protein. Uh, calories only ranging from 130 to 180 per bar. And only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs per bar. So they're, they taste amazing, taste just like a candy bar, but are also healthy and good for you and great for you after a workout. And if you don't believe me, Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team, which if you've been watching the Olympics and keeping up with track and field getting kicked off here, they're doing quite well so far, the U.S. team. I think they've they've done well in the qualifiers and even some of the medal rounds. So, you know, don't take my word for it. Take it from the, the professional athletes out there, you know, killing it on the Olympic stage. So if you want to get some for yourself, go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15. And you will get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com.
1: Welcome back in on Locked on Knicks. Alex, it is that time. We are, we are recording this at 11.56 Eastern Time, August 2nd, 2021. Free agency officially begins in about six hours and three minutes. Obviously, there are a million rumors flying around before it starts. There have probably been multiple deals agreed to that we will be privy to in the upcoming hours, but for now, all we have are those rumors. So let's start off with the point guard position, because I think that, that's sort of the fulcrum of the Knicks' offseason conversation, and perhaps the spot that they're most desperate for additions. On, on the roster, obviously, you have Emmanuel quickly. Miles McBride is more of a combo, maybe he'll play there with a... Larger ball handler like, I don't know, R.J. Barrett or Julius Randle at some point. Um, And for now on the roster, assuming the Knicks probably do not, or or I guess release Jared Harper. um, It seems like those are the two guys that the Knicks are going to have at the moment. Um, Our our impression going into this offseason, or at least mine, was that Derrick Rose was almost certainly going to be back. After he performed his best during the Knicks' incredible winning streak near the end of the season was their one consistent performer against the Atlanta Hawks, you could make an argument that over the next final 25 games that he was their best player. I don't know if I'd go that far. I think think given all the attention that Julius drew and the responsibility, it would still probably be him. But the fact that it was a conversation, given the season that Julius Randle had, tells you just how good Derrick Rose was to finish up last season. And now... All of a sudden, according to multiple reports, we are not so sure about that. John Hollinger noted in a story on The Athletic today that the Bulls could be in for a reunion with Derrick Rose at around $12 million a year. That backs up some reporting that we got from friend of the show, Mark Berman, that while the Knicks will certainly have interest in Rose, they might get kind of queasy when another team offers him a multi-year deal. So that is fascinating. And then the other big names we've consistently heard at the point guard spot throughout the year and that we debated throughout the year, we've had a million conversations about Kyle Lowry looks like he's most likely going to be headed to the Miami Heat, who picked up Goran Dragic's $19.4 option, seemingly to use in a sign-in trade um, for Lowry. And then uh, the Knicks could still offer Lowry just a massive amount of money. And obviously Lowry would have the freedom to say, uh, no thanks, I don't really need to help Toronto. I can just go and take the 30-plus million for the Knicks over multiple years. But again, the Knicks do want to maintain flexibility, so you wonder if they would want to bite on that, even if Lowry said he was ready to commit. And then, of course, Alex, we have Lonzo Ball, who is maybe the single most talked-about guy to the Knicks. We have heard multiple rumors this morning about Lonzo Ball, and none of them involved the Knicks. Um, Mark Berman said, quote, in a story yesterday that Lonzo is a heavy favorite to go to the Bulls, but then John Hollinger reporting today, our our locked-on compadre, that a double sign-in trade could be in the works that sends Lonzo to Charlotte to play with his brother and Devontae Graham back to New Orleans. The Knicks are, of course, still in contention for Dennis Schroeder, but there was a, a late report this morning, right, as we... Started this podcast from Chris Mannix that the Heat Bulls and Mavericks are also expected to show interest in Dennis Schroeder. And then, of course, Spencer Dinwiddie, who at this point is actually, I would say, my pretty heavy preference for who the Knicks ultimately end up with, um, is a guy that has interest from multiple teams, including the Nets, the Heat, and the Raptors. Obviously, the Heat would most likely be out of the running um, in the scenario that they trade for Lowry. The Nets, um, I really, it feels like they have unlimited money. I, I don't know if they have the finances to bring him back. I assume if, he, if they did, he would be back there. And, and then, of course, the Raptors, I would expect to be a pretty strong contender for him. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Raptors had some intel that there was mutual interest there, because then it would make a lot more sense why they decided to not draft Jalen Suggs on draft night and instead go with Scotty Barnes. That was from Shams. We also got reports on Dinwiddie from Hollinger that there is the potential for the Washington Wizards to try and work out a sign in trade for Dinwiddie. I would actually say, based on everything that I've been reading, not hearing because I'm not really sourced like that, um, that Dinwiddie, probably the Wizards are the favorite for him. So Alex, I just spent four minutes summing that all up. I'm going to throw it over to you. Uh, What's your take on this... uh, excuse my language, shit show of a point card situation right now for the Knicks. And I don't say that in that it's a disaster for the Knicks at this point, obviously, just in that there are a million names out there. And right now the Knicks don't really appear to be the favorite for any of them with the possible exception of Schroeder, who is the guy I would want the least out of everyone I mentioned.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like I, I was really hoping that we might hear something in terms of Lowry or Paul. Um, at least that the Knicks were, you know, in consideration, but Lowry, it kind of just seems like, it seems like the heat are where he wants to be period. Um, you know, it's, it's just one of those situations. It reminds me a lot of, uh, of actually how the, the Jimmy Butler situation went down uh, as far as that was concerned. Cause if you remember, you know, a lot of Knicks fans had, had said, you know, Oh, well, you know, would Jimmy Butler be a potential, you know, backup target in 2019 if, you know, you don't get Durant and Irving and whatever. And before, I think even almost as soon as, you know, Durant and Irving had picked their destination, you know, of going to Brooklyn, uh, Jimmy was already reported to be going to Miami, like prior to free agency even opening. Um, So I I think that, I think that Lowry is probably going to end up there. It seems like, I can't imagine there would be any other scenario as to why the Heat opted into Goran Dragic's, uh almost $20 million salary unless it was to get a sign and trade done uh, for Lowry at this point. So I think that's going to happen. Um, I don't know who or what else is going to go back in that sign and trade, but you know that I think the Raptors are going to take that and run with it and just say, you know, cool, uh, we'll have – Drogic and and Van Vliet for a year and they'll probably tank it up to a degree and you know try to get another top pick next year to add to Scotty Barnes and all that they might even try to move Siakam now at this point um, you know and get some more assets back for him almost do like a like a Thunder-esque sort of thing where maybe they'll still be like weird fake you know East uh, playoff contenders this year but get some more picks back uh, sort of akin to what happened with the Thunder after they traded Paul George and and then still were good with Chris Paul and SGA and all them. Um, so I, I guess we'll see as far as all that's concerned. Uh, Chris Paul, I mean, I don't blame him for still wanting to go back to Phoenix. I do still, so I'll say there's, there's one thing that sort of has given me a tiny bit of pause as far as Paul's concerned. Although I still think it's probably just a backup plan, but there was uh who was it? Jordan Schultz of ESPN had said, Uh, and this is just probably nothing, but he had said, add the Knicks to the potential list of potential suitors for Carmelo Anthony. League sources say New York has made it clear that Melo is a target in free agency. Leon Rose has a long-standing relationship with the 10 time all-star after their years together at CAA. Uh, You know, we've heard about that since the moment that Leon got hired by the Knicks that, you know, Oh, maybe Melo would end up coming back for like a goodbye tour or whatever with New York since, I mean, I wouldn't say things ended unceremoniously the first time around. Like Mello wanted to be traded the first time around, um, and he got accommodated. But you know, it, it just—I guess—a better, uh, better send-off. You know, almost like a like this might be his final season, I guess, and and then he would just kind of do it in a Knicks uniform. Uh, but we had seen the quotes this past year about how you know, had it not been for COVID, CP3 might have forced to trade strictly to New York last off season, uh, to come to the garden and, you know, then Melo would have come on like a minimum contract or whatever. And they would have, you know, done the, the whole thing together. Cause they've always wanted to play together, you know, CP3 and Melo apparently. And, you know, they could have finally done it in New York and had the garden crowd and all that stuff. And, you know, obviously now with crowds being back, maybe that's something that, has re-entered his consciousness. I don't know. Um, maybe he sees the West and says, you know, hey, a, a lot of stars align pretty well for us to get out of the West this year in Phoenix. Uh, and I don't know what our chances are going to be like next year. You know, with uh, presumably a lot of West teams, including the Lakers, you know, reloading and getting even better. You know, how much harder is it going to be for us to get out of this conference next year? You know, CP3 has never played in the East, so maybe he still looks at at that as an opportunity to come over and play in a presumably more gettable conference. Um, although the East is pretty top heavy at this point with uh, it, at the very least the nets and the bucks, uh, I guess we'll see where things go with the Sixers with the Simmons trade situation and stuff, but you know, it's and the Hawks, you know, rising the way that they did this year. So both conferences are pretty tough at the top But maybe CP three sees, you know, the East as a better path to potentially getting back to the finals and and goes with the Knicks. Um, I'm not considering that that likely, though, unless Sarver and the Suns do uh, do something that they've quite frankly done a number of times under him in the past and cheap out and don't want to pay him a lot of money. Um, I mean, Paul did literally just turn down a forty four million dollar option to hit free agency. So he's looking for a payday of some sort uh, or else he wouldn't have turned that down and he would have just accepted his $44 million and and, uh, you know, gone on with his life. So I, I guess we'll see where their priorities lie and, and how much they value retaining him uh, versus just their their bottom line dollar figures. All right, real quick, we're just going to take our second break and let you guys know that today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline.ag. Get all the latest news, odds, and info on all your sporting needs, including the MLB and all of your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, because this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs, like my Mets with their new edition of Baez. Awesome. Uh, Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with promo code LOCKEDON. Again, that's betonline.ag, promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, and we're back and I'll continue my rant here on all of the point guard options you know, Lonzo, I mean, I wasn't in love with him, especially as a lead ball handler coming to the Knicks anyway. So I'm not heartbroken that he's sort of out of the conversation now, it seems like. Um, Of course, the Knicks could still 11th hour their way in there and make a a big, big restrictive free agent offer. The other thing I'll say is, I I, I mean, based off draft night, and maybe I should have led with this, but based off how things went on draft night, I was... (laughs) I wasn't able to, I'll, I'll give some brief draft takes later. I wasn't able to do it because I was actually in an airport on draft night, but I was keeping track of Twitter and stuff. And the one thing that I that I noticed is that the leaks were quiet around the Knicks on draft night. Things were not announced until they were happening, uh, which means that if, if this front office wants things to be locked up like Fort Knox, they do it. Uh, so I, I think maybe the reason that we're not hearing the Knicks in a lot of these rumors is because they don't, want to be in the rumors um because that you know everybody's tight-lipped with the organization right now so i i don't know i mean i think i think there's a decent chance that you know maybe maybe some things are being more kept under wraps than we realize uh, as far as their plans and we won't start hearing about them literally until the strike of six um but it, that's for for six hours from now i guess uh, as far as what we'll hear there but um as far as Lonzo, I mean, I, maybe they're more in on him than we realize. Maybe they just are kind of balking at the price. Um, maybe the you know that maybe the Bulls are just more committed. Maybe Lonzo just likes the Bulls more. I don't know. Uh, I guess we'll see. Maybe it's also possible that the Bulls are offering some sort of sign and trade package back, which the Knicks aren't, which is you know enticing the Pelicans to potentially let Lonzo go on his restricted free agency rights which is, of course, a factor here. So, you know, maybe the Bulls are working out something where they give up assets in exchange for not having to give them as much money, whereas the Knicks are just kind of saying, we're only going to give you up to this amount of money, and then the Pelicans are telling the Knicks back, well, we'll just match that, so screw you guys. Um, So, yeah, there's a lot at play there, but I'm starting to think that maybe he's not as in the cards as we had previously thought. Um, And then, yeah, like Dinwiddie and and Schroeder... I you know Dinwiddie, it would <laughs> it would it would be so weird because it's a guy that I've disliked so much on a personal level, just for his uh, repeated like attempts to like clown Knicks fans on Twitter and stuff, and his insistence that like the Nets are like New York's team or whatever, which everybody always knew was false. Um, I, I mean, he's a good player though, so even if I think he's He's kind of goofy uh, as far as his personality and stuff. I definitely would not be opposed to him coming to the Knicks if he's if he's going to be who he was before the ACL tear, which was a, a somewhat efficient twenty point per game scorer that can really break down defenses, um, can do a little bit of playmaking, and you know I, I think that I'd be down to bring him on for the right price tag for sure. Uh, so we'll see how that all goes, I guess. Uh, but you know it, it would just be bizarre to see him in a Knicks uniform after after all the uh the vitriol going both ways with him in a Nets uniform. And then uh, uh I'm with you. I'm, I'm really not in love with it. I guess I could see it from a from asset play perspective of getting him on a contract around 20 million a year and you know, getting him on this team and and seeing what he can do and maybe put up some good numbers that look good in a potential trade package, you know, like if, if you're really trying to go for Dame, but not right this second, uh, you know, if you get Schroeder putting up 20 points per game on decent efficiency and like playing on a winning Knicks team, maybe as like their starter, then maybe that is a good selling point to like the Blazers to be like, all right, well, we'll bring back Schroeder as part of the trade package along with, you know, quickly and top in and whatever in your assortment of draft picks to help make salaries match to get Lillard over there, then I would consider that a win in that moment uh, for sure. So I guess we'll see as, as far as how that, uh, that would play out with getting Schroeder. But I mean, that is a guy for what it's worth too. that. And I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to say that this was a source thing as of like last year, but I can remember even talking to Ian Begley on our show last year. And we had said, you know, if you were the Knicks and you were going after a a free agent, you know, who would you go after? And he had even brought up Schroeder at that point. Um, And this was prior to last season uh, prior to when he, I think, I think he had opted into a final year this past year. I forget what the situation was there where he ended up with the Lakers just on that one year deal. But um, you know, he, if he ends up, with the Knicks, I mean, it's maybe something that's been a long time coming. I mean, where they've had their eye on him for a while, and now are finally getting their hands on him. Um, hopefully, if it if it turns into a sign and trade thing, maybe they can, maybe they can kind of rake the Lakers over the coals a little bit and get an asset to come back in to the Knicks in a sign and trade for Schroeder as well, because it would free up some cap space for the Lakers uh, to be able to do more things that they want to do. So. That's, that's definitely a hopeful thing for me there as well. So, uh, I guess, I guess we'll see though. Um, that's, I think my general thought on the point guard situation. I mean, there's, oh, and as far as Rose too, I mean, yeah, it was, it's unfortunate that what we thought was kind of a foregone conclusion might not be. Although it does sound like with Rose back to Chicago, that sounds like that's more of a thing where they'd be willing to give him a big contract if they don't get Lonzo, which they seem to think that they'd be able to get Lonzo. So We'll see how that all plays out, too. Um, Obviously, if that Hollinger thing kicks in with him going to Charlotte, potentially, then that throws a wrench in Chicago's plans. And then maybe they say, oh, we'll give Rose a ton of money. I I will say it has been kind of odd that literally dating all the way back to like the minute that the Knicks were eliminated from the postseason and even a little bit before that, when Rose had been asked, like do you think you're going to be back next year? He's been saying for months now, adamantly, like, I think they have bigger things in mind than me. Uh, So I, I wonder if he's kind of always had an indication that he's not going to be back with this team, which is unfortunate because he really did offer so much great play for the Knicks this year. And, you know, really gave Tibbs like one of his guys to, to lean on and trust and, to great effect. I mean, he trusted him and he put up like damn near all-star numbers for a two-month stretch. So um, we'll see how that all plays out too. All right. But Gavin, uh, I think (laughs) we're doing a good job of of quote-unquote co-hosting this, aka monologuing back and forth today, uh, where we just go on for 10 minutes a piece each. Um, Who do you think we should talk about next as far as all these rumors that are swirling around the Knicks right now?
1: Yeah, it feels like I don't know if you have ever listened to those low woge ESPN shows that they put out, but it's like they're on two sides of the planet, and it's like they recorded their audio completely separately. But I don't. I think I think it works for the format just because we we have so much we have so much ground to cover. Um. Anyways, the guy that I will go to next is Evan Fournier because he's he's probably the single name in the last two days that we've heard the most about, and we've gotten it from multiple sources. I mean, I, I keep referencing that Hollinger piece. He certainly mentioned it. Um, we're, we're, we're getting it from just about every possible angle that Evan Fournier um, is is a pretty distinct possibility. Um, Mark Murphy of the Boston Herald wrote, though, quote, though it's unclear what the Celtics are offering, it's not looking good, said the source, as evidenced by... Reports that the Knicks and Fournier have developed a mutual interest. The Celtics now face stiff competition. Ian Begley had that note as well. So Fournier is interesting to me, right? Because he, um, a number of people have made this point that he's been very, very good for a very long time in Orlando, where he's not had a lot of help. And you, you look at just the consistency from year to year. Starting from his age 23 season in 2015-16, he's averaged 15 points per game. 17 points per game, 18 points per game, 15, 18 and a half, and then 17 last season. Um, Has turned himself into an outstanding three-point shooter. Actually, has pretty much been his whole career. Going from his rookie year on, 41%, 38%, 38%, 40%, 36, 38, 34, 40, 41, a career high last season. On a career high, seven attempts per game. And and those have mostly been high degree of difficulty looks. You, You always have to be... Really impressed when a guy can maintain his efficiency to that extent, um, despite being the focus of opponents' defenses, when a player is probably not qualified to be the focus of opponents' defenses. And to that point, it, it's a very small sample size, but in 16 games on the Celtics last year, he shot 46% from distance on six attempts per game. So given a little bit of time and space, um, he he is a absolutely fantastic shooter. And if you want to compare him to someone like Duncan Robinson, who we've also mentioned to the Knicks, I think I'd rather have Fournier. And I, I get the argument that, look, Duncan is in a different category of shooting. He's, he's quite literally one of the five best people at, at shooting a basketball on Planet Earth. Maybe, maybe top 10 if you want to add degree of difficulty for some of the superstar guys. But regardless, he's incredibly, incredibly good in that one capacity. But Fournier, he also gives you three assists per game. As we saw him repeatedly torch Team USA, he he he's able to to put him work off the dribble, find his way to the basket, and he gives you a bit of size relative. I mean, obviously, him and Schroeder aren't mutually exclusive, but Fournier at, at around six foot five, he, you you get a little bit of height and physicality in that backcourt. I'm I'm a big fan of his game, with the notable exception that throughout his career, his playoff stats have been genuinely horrific. Um obviously that is probably not going to be your number one concern. Um on the Knicks, right? That that's not really the initial thing you're thinking about because you're kind of like, all right, let's just get there. Um but very quickly I can I can run over um some of the numbers from him in the playoffs. Here, I'll I'll do this per 36 minutes because some sometimes early in his tenure he actually wasn't really playing very much in the playoffs, but he averaged uh year by year um, in 18 19 13 points per game in the playoffs 1920 13 and a half 2021 20, 16 and a half so not all bad but then you go over to the percentages his as a rookie in Denver 35 percent from the field in the playoffs uh 35 percent in 18 19 35 percent in 1920 last year on the Celtics a career high 43 percent from the field in the playoffs so maybe maybe he alleviated those concerns a little bit but a guy who has not done great on the biggest stages but again Alex I, I would sort of um say that was symptomatic of the fact that he was asked to carry a load on those magic teams in terms of creation and ball handling responsibility that if you're a top-notch NBA defense that the magic were typically playing in those series and you could put all your attention on Evan Fournier he wasn't going to look that good playing off of Julius Randle playing off of R.J. Barrett playing off of whoever the Knicks end up with at point guard I I think he can really shine he's a high efficiency guy and I saw this point made, um, I can't remember, it might have been Prez, it might have been Stacey, but I, I certainly saw it on Twitter, that the Atlanta Hawks are a great example of why it's okay to overpay a guy like this, someone in their mid to late 20s, um, I guess if you want to really follow the Hawks track record, an international guy, but, but players who have good track records on really poor teams, I'm thinking specifically of uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich right now. Um, and then get to go to a better situation. And, and you you kind of get to see them shine because all of a sudden they don't have that responsibility on them and they can just sort of play the role that their talent always suggested that they should. So I think he'd be a fantastic fit on the Knicks and very much a signing in that bogdanovich Calinari, um range.
0: Yeah, and I think it's pretty telling, right, that as you just noted, his percentages, he found his career high in shooting percentage in the playoffs this year on the first year when you would say that he finally was playing with like a creationary alpha you know what I mean in Jason Tatum like he finally was playing with someone that could create shots for the team uh or create shots for himself and and be the the primary focus of the opposing team and then go figure Fournier shoots better in the playoffs you know and that was with a brand new team too so you know people might look at the raw point per game number or whatever and be like, yeah, but his scoring average still went down he wasn't that great with the Celtics. It's like, yeah, he struggled pretty hard when he first got to the Celtics, but that's to kind of be expected for, for mid season pickups. Like, you know, you're coming to a brand new team that you've never played with before, especially for a guy that had, he's not like a mercenary. You know what I mean? He had, he had a a pretty decently long stint with the the nuggets and then a, a really long stint with the magic. Um, prior to going to Boston. So he was, he was kind of a, you know, a a long-term relationship guy. (laughs) He was not a, uh, not like Alec Burks, just having flings, you know, every, every season where he's used to just kind of stepping into a new team and, and finding a new role and whatever. So um, I would feel really good about the next signing him. I think to your point and to everybody else that you mentioned's point, you know, he's a talented scorer. He can create for himself. He can even create for others a little bit. I, I think he's a pretty good passer. And, you know, especially for a two guard, he does a good job of trying to keep the ball moving and stuff like that. Um, Really talented shooter. He's I think only gotten better with age as far as, you know, his shot diet and the type of shots that he can take and make and his shot selection. Um, I really like him as a player. I've liked him for years. I I liked him going into last year and I thought he was going to become a free agent last year, but he wound up picking up his final year option, which I, I still think it's kind of weird. I think he could have gotten a really nice contract last off season with how much money got thrown around, but maybe it was just bad advice from his agent or something. Um, but at any rate, like I would be thrilled to add him this year, you know, especially if they add him to like a, I don't know, 17, $18 million a year contract. You know, if it's, if it's similar to what Bogdanovich got, I, I think that's a great investment and something the Nick should, should sign up for almost immediately. Um, of course, you, you don't want to give him so much that you, preclude yourself from being able to sign someone like uh like Lowry or something like that if they if there's a sudden change of heart and Kyle Lowry says you know what I'll come to the Knicks then you don't be like oh sorry buddy like Evan Fournier is already getting 18 million so we can't afford that contract you wanted now um but if you can if you can get him and maybe maybe you even secure his services you know at minute one of free agency and then that does inspire some other guy to say oh all right the Knicks are for real you know I'll come there instead, you know, and and if that's the case, then maybe it it pays off double, uh, you know, and gets you a a good point guard to, you know, pivot and come to the Knicks instead. But I like like Fournier a lot. Um, I think that playing next to Randall and Barrett and point guard X, you know, whoever it ends up being, even if it's Schroeder, I mean, if they had Schroeder, Fournier, RJ, uh, Randall and Mitch as their starting lineup, I'm not a hundred percent sold on Schroeder, but I at least feel quite a bit better about the Knicks playmaking overall, surrounding him with, you know, three, three fourths of the other players on the floor being able to handle the ball and pass it in Fournier, RJ, and Randall. I mean, I think I'd feel pretty good about that lineup with with Schroeder's ability to break down the defense and get inside and score the ball. So um I, I would like that quite a bit. Um I, I think that I, I think Fournier would be just a really good investment for the Knicks, and and you know if that's if that's the best player that they sign this off season, I don't think that's anything to be like sad or ashamed about. Um, I think that I think that he's a really really good player, a like borderline All Star type player at his best, um, who's you know average I think upwards or he's averaged upwards of twenty points per game. I mean. This year with Orlando, actually, it was his best scoring season of his career prior to getting traded. Um, one of his better efficiency years from three on his highest volume that he's ever shot from three, like, by a, a good chunk. He shot 7.2 threes per game and shot 38.8% on them. Um, he does a lot of self-creation there. I mean, he's he's really good. Um, I, I think the only thing that you have to worry about is his his durability. Um You know, he has had some durability concerns. It it seems to be kind of hit or miss. I mean, 18-19, he played 81 games for Orlando, so that's fantastic. Uh, He also played 66 games, which had to have been the entire slate of games uh, for Orlando last year, which means that the two seasons prior to this one, he had done pretty well. But 17-18, he only played 57 games. Uh, 16-17, only played 68 games. This year, in total only played 42 games. So, I mean, that was, I, I think there was something to be said with uh, Orlando was kind of keeping him out a little bit as, to keep him available for the trade deadline. But then he also got hurt once he was with, or he had he had COVID concerns, I think, too, once he got to the Celtics. So I guess you could sort of write some of that off too. So maybe I'm even, maybe I'm even over, like uh, overcompensating for the, the injury thing too here. And, and he actually was better, as far as injuries than I remember, because this year there was, it was kind of a weird year with COVID that I don't really think you can count that as an injury uh, so much as just a a circumstance unique to this year. Um, and hopefully not for more years coming, but um, yeah, all that is to say, I like Fournier a lot. I would be totally down with bringing him on board. And I think that the, uh, the price tag for him, you know, if it's around like 20 million a year would be totally cool by me. Uh, Gavin, I'm gonna just throw a quick one at you. There was a, there was some reporting by Jay Michael of the the Indianapolis Star. Um, that he said the Knicks have been trying hard to get the Pacers to part with Miles Turner. So far, not happening. This and other intel entering free agency. Uh, they don't seem in a hurry to bust up their core, meaning the Pacers. Uh, I, what do you think about that? Do you think there's likes to that? I, this kind of seems to me, I think Schwinn had noted this on Twitter, um, that this same guy reported was the one that was reporting that the Knicks were apparently ready to give up the farm to move up to 13 and take Duarte uh, from the the Pacers. And that obviously never happened. I kind of feel like this is smoke to me and maybe just a leak from Indy to try to get the price tag to go up on Turner if they are indeed trying to trade him. Uh, I, I really don't feel like the Knicks are in it with Turner uh, or at least they wouldn't be willing to give up a ton to get him if that's the case. Uh, Cause I, I just don't, I think with Mitch on board, even though Turner offers more as far as being able to shoot the ball as well. Uh, in addition to being an elite defender, I, I just, I don't really see a, a match there as far as the, the Knicks trying to like go all in to try to make a big trade for Turner with potentially bigger fish like Damian Lillard on the horizon.
1: No, I think, I think it makes zero sense. And it, it seems like, look, for years and years and years, other teams would use the Knicks as sort of a boogeyman saying, oh, you better make a deal for him. If not, the crazy Knicks are going to send us five first-round picks for him. And, and with the Knicks having literally more cap space than any other team in the NBA, um, even, even if they're operating in, in a, a better manner uh, over the last two seasons, I think teams are still going to continue to use them that way And on top of Mitchell Robinson's presence, the reason it really doesn't make any sense is that Miles Turner's owed $17.5 million this season and then $17.5 million next season. And look, he's coming off a great year where he was legitimately, especially in the early part of the season, in contention for Defensive Player of the Year. But I don't know. He always strikes me as someone that teams see as less than the sum of his numbers because it feels like every single year he's in a trade rumor and that the Pacers realize that him and Sabonis together don't make a lot of sense. Um, and it feels like they're always trying to get off him. And yet no team ever seems to want to pull the trigger. Maybe this offseason is different because, again, he's coming off a massive, massive defensive season. He's still, he, he literally just turned 25 years old. I'm, I'm actually kind of stunned by how young he still is. So he's certainly someone who's value around the league, but at his contract and with Mitchell Robinson in place. I would think he would make less than zero cents on the Knicks, e- even with that shooting ability. I think I'd still rather have Mitch just because I consider Mitch a-, a much more versatile defender and someone who is more likely to be able to play a significant role in the playoffs. But speaking of rumors, Alex, how about we, we end on this one. It's not something we need to go deep on because um, we have talked about it a lot in the past, but Uh, This is from Tommy Beer transcribing Stephen A. Smith, who said on SiriusXM NBA, although that Damian Lillard has not yet demanded a trade, Smith, quote, knows for a fact that if Dame were to be traded, New York, quote unquote, would be his number one destination, adding, I'm telling you what I know. I'm not guessing. And, And honestly, I know people don't really take Stephen A. Seriously, because of the opinion stuff. But Alex, I know you've noted a couple of times in this podcast before, he did have the big three before anyone else had the big three. There are times where he legitimately does seem to know things before anyone else. So uh, that is fascinating. And I think I think we can just about leave it on that because I don't, I don't feel any, any real need to to relitigate to other than the fact that as, as others have pointed out and Stacy has pointed out, um, it is significant that the Knicks moved off their 19th pick only in the sense that a, a quote unquote, uh, well, not uh, not a quote unquote, a, a literal a future first round pick is often considered a more valuable trade chip than one that has been made, because obviously a team has a flexibility to, to do their own scouting and pick a player for themselves that they like. And the Knicks clearly kept that in mind um, in regards to the NBA draft this year.
0: Yeah, I when I was when I was keeping up with the draft as as things were going down, that that move with Charlotte with the 19th pick, I was just like, this has to be a war chest move, right? Like this isn't that clearly they just, you know, their scouting told them they wanted this player, that player, that player, and they didn't need to take that player here. uh, Despite the fact that there was a lot of talent left on the board. And so they, they kicked the can down the line and basically said, you know, here's a, this is a first round pick that will, you know, eventually convey to us or to some other team. Now I think there, there is a good note. So as Macri had noted in his newsletter, I think like right after the draft, um, the the Hornets, because of the way that they protected that pick, it, it, it could actually, the, the protections could get lessened at some point because they, they now, because of setting it up in such a way that it's protected in such a high range from now until 2026, uh, they can't trade any of their first round picks prior to 2027 if they're looking to make any upgrades to their roster now. So there is a decent chance that they might lift some of those protections or lessen some of those protections to get the pick to convey faster to the Knicks. Or, you know, just maybe even if they're feeling really bold, take the protections off entirely. Um, And that might appeal to some other teams too, because, you know, if say Portland acquires that pick, then they get the negotiating rights with Charlotte to, you know, lessen those protections on that pick at some point. And so that might be something that the Knicks try to sell uh, Portland on, you know, as far as that's concerned. So, you know, I, I think that that was why they made that play with a move like a Dame in mind. That said, I'm still not 100% sold on going after him this offseason. Um, I, I think maybe even by midseason, I might be more inclined to go after Dame. Um, you know, if you're doing like a, a, a trade deadline, acquisition of him. You know, if Portland says we're not going to trade him prior to the season, we'll let things kind of play out a little bit during the season and see where it goes. I mean maybe the Knicks then sign Schroeder and then he has a good first half and you can make a deal at the deadline and not give up an arm and a leg like you'd have to right now uh to get Dame. It, maybe that's the move to make. And, and, you know, it also make it so you don't have to ship out literally like all of your young players to make the the salaries work at this juncture. Um, so th- there's all kinds of things in play for Dame. I'm not, I, I really just don't, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe something will happen and it'll happen before the season, but I don't think that Dame's going to get traded this off season. I think it's going to take, it'll be at the earliest this trade deadline or perhaps next off season. Cause I think Portland's going to take their time. Also Dame has been very careful about being public of like, I have not made a trade request just yet. Um, Despite the fact that True Hoop is reporting that he did already. uh, And, you know, that this is basically just damage control on Dame's, you know, on Dame's behalf here. Um, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I think I was going to give some some draft reactions here from me too. Because I I didn't get to give them over the weekend because I was indisposed. But... Gavin, I think uh, at almost an hour here, it's probably time to wrap up the Free Agency show. Perhaps I will give like a solo pod uh, of draft reactions for me for tomorrow or something uh, that can just run on its own. But um, I I think this is a good point to wrap up on unless you had any other guys you want to touch on. I know that, I guess, of the other guys, this guy's been talked about for a while, but I don't really buy it. Kelly Oubre is apparently a target of the Knicks. I really hope not because I don't like Kelly Oubre very much. So let's let that one go. Uh, the Knicks are still being mentioned as being in on Nerland's Noel to bring him back along with the Raptors, Pistons, and Kings, apparently all being in play for uh, Noel as well per Michael Scotto of Hoops Hype. And Oh, we forgot, uh, we forgot Mello. Uh, well, it sort of mentioned Mello in conjunction with Chris Paul earlier. But yes, there was a report. Um, that Mellow is potentially on the Knicks radar as well. That report came from
1: Jordan Schultz,
0: Jordan Schultz. Yes. Uh, of Bleacher. No, Bleacher, not Bleacher report ESPN. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, so that's, that's the other one. I don't know. Do you have anything to weigh in on those last three before we, this podcast probably gets completely outdated by the time it's even up by like a, cascade of other rumors
1: yeah um i don't i think mellow mellow would be kind of fun um I'll, I'll leave it at that i think weirdly enough they, they've sort of built the perfect team to have put around prime mellow but he's obviously not that guy anymore but yeah i don't know i last offseason i was like yeah and like now we're now with where they're at um I, I the only thing i would say about that is Quentin grimes has to be ready to play or they have to get someone else to start as a three and D wing because I think Mello would be sort of a off the bench score at, at this point, but it would be, it would be cool. I, I have a feeling it doesn't happen. I bet he ends up on the Lakers.
0: Yeah, I, I think so too. I just think, I mean, it's kind of funny that now of all times is when Mello is finally going to team up with LeBron when he's been available for a minimum contract for like three years now and LeBron never made a push to sign him. And now finally, you know, after, uh, underachieving now that LeBron is uh, in, in like full on panic roster building mode after a Russell Westbrook trade and everything else, they're finally going to go get mellow. But yeah, I I think that is probably the most likely, I think the only way that mellow comes to the Knicks is if CP three comes to the Knicks, in which case I think they'll, they'll come here to have a fun time together. Uh, But short of that long shot scenario happening, I I don't see the mellow thing working out. Um, as far as the other two, I just I don't want Oubre, period. Are we pretty much in agreement on that?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Oubre, it depends what his market is. I mean, if it ends up being really insignificant, I wouldn't hate the Knicks taking a flyer on him. I, I, I liked him when he was on the Suns. He had a really, really bad season in Golden State, but he's a, he's a decent two-way player. If he's your first wing off the bench, like, like if he's the Alec Burks replacement, who I, I can't remember if I mentioned at the top, it sounds like Alec Burks is headed for a greener or maybe lesser pastures, but but not, not these pastures, these, these blue and orange pastures. Um, I, I wouldn't mind that at all. If he's your starting wing as the Reggie Bullock replacement, I think that's a little bit more problematic and you, you got to really count on a rebound season from him, but entirely contingent on, on what his market is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, and then lastly, the Noel stuff. I'm kind of just indifferent to the Noel news. I mean, I just don't want them to pay him a ton of money. I think, my stance on that.
1: I agree with what everyone else said. I think I think they'd be fine going forward with Taj. And I, I really think with Jericho Sims, they might have lucked into Nerland's 2.0 to some extent. Obviously, look, he's not as big. He's not going to be that level of rim protector his first season because rookies are, by and large, really, really poor on defense. So I could understand why the Knicks would – Ideally, get Nerlands back because he really does represent insurance. If you have another Mitchell Robinson injury or Taj Gibson, there's no, as amazing as Taj was last year, he's still, what is he, 36, maybe going on 37 this season. There's no guarantee that he doesn't have a, a pretty steep decline at some point this year. So I, I understand the logic behind Nerlands, but I honestly, even though he was the third to last pick in the draft, I think Jericho Sims can give you a pretty decent approximation of what Nerlands Noel brings to the table or the Knicks could go in an entirely different direction and maybe sign a, a stretch five of some sort, but we'll, we'll, we'll have to see going forward. I, I'm certainly fascinated to see what they do at that position because I, I do think I, I have a feeling that they won't be comfortable going into the season, which is Sims and Taj, but I, I guess we'll find out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a good note to end on. So this has been our, uh, free agency primer here for locked on Knicks and, uh, we will be back, obviously, to break down any big moves. We'll probably do some instant reaction pods if uh, if any big, big moves happen. So keep your ears peeled for potentially as early as later today uh, for some instant reaction stuff for free agency. But we hope that you all enjoyed this uh, this little primer and, and rumor breakdown. And we'll be back in your ears Pretty often this week, I'm sure. So <laughs> keep uh, keep your ears out keep your keep your ears to the ground for more locked on next. We'll be back plenty this week with more stuff. But until then, peace out, and we'll talk to you all soon.